Blog Talk Radio. Our next guest on Minnesota Sports Weekly is uh, from The Athletic, uh, Twins beat, re- beat reporter uh, Dan Hayes. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring Dan on, and we'll get to it. Dan, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Um, my uh, first question is, uh, from your perspective, how big of a signing was uh, Josh Donaldson for the Twins? Well, I, I think it's a, a big move because when they set out this offseason, you know, they wanted to add a player that really put them closer to winning. And obviously the goal of that was pitching. Um, they didn't they didn't land a pitcher, but, but they still wanted to add a player that significantly makes them better. And I, I think that they did that really well with Josh Donaldson because – their infield defense, which you know we've seen some of the numbers the last week or two, is atrocious. Uh, it, it's arguably one of the worst infields in baseball. And and putting Josh Donaldson at the hot corner, you know you look at at Oakland and the success that they had with uh, Matt Chapman at third. Um, you know that that left side is a uh, a vacuum. And when when you've got a guy like Donaldson over there, I mean you see the Braves how good their infield defense was with him. It, it's just it's so significant in, in that regard. And, and obviously you've made this to a lineup where it's hard to argue whether or not they're the top team in baseball. I mean, it's such a deep lineup at this point, you know, when you're deciding whether or not to bat and, and it's because they do try to left, right, left, right, as much as possible. But when you're deciding whether or not to bat like Mitch Garver or Miguel Sano eight, that's a pretty awesome lineup, you know, and, and, and that's where the twins are right now. So, <clears throat> 
I think that in that regard, I mean, they had to do something. And, and they went out, and as far as free agent deals go for the Twins, they made a landmark deal. And I think that will open eyes amongst the fans. I think fans can see that they are committed and, and that they are really pushing and trying to win right now. And, and that's a, a huge statement to make after last year. You know, everybody – it was a really enjoyable, fun year. Um, a lot of people got on board. And, and I think people wanted to see them get even more serious. And, and this is a statement that they have. And, and again, this doesn't address pitching. And they, I still think they need to address their pitching. Um, but at the same time, they've spent money in, in a large way. And, and they've gotten a really good player to add to what was already a really good roster. Um, how big of a concern in your mind is his age being 34 and at the start of a four or five year contract. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you look at the last two years of it and you go, what are we going to get? That kind of thing. If you're the twins, what, what, what can we expect? And, and that's reasonable, but that's not what this move is about. This move is about right now and the next two years. And, you know, Nelson Cruz is only under contract for one more year this year. And very easily Josh Jones could slide into the DH role as his body, uh, you know, gets older, but, and, and this is the kind of guy that you wonder how long he can hold up just because he's such a max effort guy. He's so physical. Um, and, and he's a fun player to watch and, but he gets down and dirty at third base and, and he gets a lot of those balls that it, it, it's really impressive and fun to watch how he does that. And how will that affect his body as he ages? You know, Nelson Cruz is sort of like the ageless wonder. We're looking at a guy who's about to turn 40 and the, the season that he had last year was incredible. Um, whether or not he can sustain something similar is a huge question. And, and I think that with Donaldson, that's a fair question too. So, but I, I really think that this move is intended to improve the twins in the next year or two, rather than over the course of four years, if they get four years of great production out of him, it's a huge win for the, for the team. Um, obviously it's a win for the player with the money he got at age 34, uh, it's the second biggest contract given to a player who's 33 or older in, in baseball history. So, you know, <clears throat> I think the twins go into it saying, if we get two great years out of him and maybe a third good year, then that's a win for us. I don't think they're worried about that fourth year quite as much. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, extensions, uh, what was your thoughts on the Miguel Sanos extension? Um, I, I think the same as, as the Polanco and the Kepler deals uh, last February, that the, the Twins, uh, it, it's a slam dunk. You know, you look at where Miguel Snow is in his career, this is where he starts to get expensive, especially coming off the type of year he had, and uh, he's only going to go up um, expense-wise. And, and, you know, if you said a few years back um, that Miguel Sano was going to take a contract that ate up the first two years of his free agency and essentially was four years and $41 million maximum. And, and as it is, will be guaranteed three and 30. I think anybody in uh, that's a twins fan would take that given the production that you expected from him. I, I think, especially now uh, the way he has prepared himself this off season, similar to the way he did last year, you know, he, he built a great foundation last year and, and was came into camp ready to go, and then he hurt himself in, in that uh, the parade and, and missed you know basically three months. But when he arrived in camp last year, he was fit and as good as he'd looked in years. And you know I, I, he was really proud of it too because he was wearing tighter clothes and intentionally. And you know the day he, I remember the day he arrived, everybody was walking. He was walking around, walking up to everybody, showing them how strong he was, how fit he was, and. You know, he, he really has taken that to heart this offseason and, and looks like he's in great shape just from the videos that we've seen. And uh, I wasn't there for the press conference the other day, but, I mean, he looks to be in great shape. I think that having him spend last year around Nelson Cruz and this year is only going to kind of further show him what he needs to be a professional for a long time. And, and he's really taken that and run with it. And so, you know, when you consider all those things, to get him for three years and thirty million for sure, and, and potentially get that fourth year for another eleven million, that's a steal. Um, as one as one person said to me outside the organization, that uh, you know those those stealing is kind. Those are robberies. Um, all three contracts, and 
the Derek, Derek uh, Salvi and Thad Levine have done a great job uh, extending three core players in the middle of the lineup and <clears throat> keeping them around at really reasonable rates is going to be a huge benefit to the rest of the roster because it allows you to go out and get a Josh Donaldson type uh, or spend a ton of money to try and keep Jose Barrios in a Twins uniform. Yeah, that was my next question. Is is that going to be a more challenging uh, negotiation when it comes to Barrios? I, I think the fact that the Twins were willing to go to five and a hundred million on Zach Wheeler um, gives you a very good idea of how hard it's going to be to keep Jose Barrios around. I it just that they're going to have to do something a big package. Now, obviously, Zach Wheeler already had the service time and all the salary built up to get to the multi, the bolt players in the salary that get it to five years and a hundred million. He ended up obviously getting 118, but um, you know, Barrios is earlier in his career than that. And he's on a pretty good trajectory. So, you know, the twins are really going to have to pay to keep him around. Um, and I, I, I think there's a misconception out there right now that, that the battle over $400,000 is so insignificant, but it, in the long run, it's actually really huge because if he gets $4.4 million this year, that makes next year's contract multiplied bigger, you know, and, and then the next year after that is multiplied a bigger time where it's like $1.2 million extra for that, that final year. And that, that multiplier adds up over time and, and makes the salary so much bigger. I, I think that they, this is something where the Twins would love to be done and, and have completed a contract extension with Jose Barrios. I think that the that his agency understands he's still growing and developing. I think they expect him to be better than he was last year. And, and if he's doing a lot of the stuff that they're, the twins have talked about, which uh, will involve his physical side, there's a reasonable expectation that he could. I mean, the, the loss in velocity that we saw in August and September, they're working to address that right now in the off season. They, they think it's something that he can do just by being a different, using his physicality in a different way. And, and so I think if that's the case, we won't see a guy that has that spell every year in the second half, and it's going to make him only so much more valuable. And um, <clears throat> He's a guy they need to keep around. Honestly, I, I think if the defense didn't fail him in uh, game one of the uh, ALC or ALDS, we're talking about a, a very good performance from him. You know, he wasn't 100% on his, his command on his uh, curveball was not great in that game. But he made a lot of big pitches when he had to and really got robbed by his defense with the uh, Luis Arise dropping a pop-up and then C.J. Crone not getting that double play ball. Um, that, that turned what should have been a very good performance by Barrios. Even if it was a lot of pitches, it turned what should have been a good performance into a mediocre one. And, and honestly, he was much better than that that day. Uh, we got Bar- Barrios, uh, Odorizzi, uh, uh Bailey, uh, I know um, uh, Michael Pineda, but there's a a little short uh, shortness at the end of the rotation, especially until Rich Hill gets back. Uh, do you foresee the Twins uh, making a move, whether it's now or in spring training, to assess that? I, I think if they, if the perfect deal came along, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make it. <clears throat> I don't know that that deal exists, but we still haven't seen the trade market take off the way that everyone kind of suspected it would. Um, there's there's a lot of deals to be had out there. I mean, you know, Mookie Betts and 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 Chris Bryant are still with their teams, and there's a lot of expectation they won't be with their their teams going into the season. So it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see. The, the twins make a trade. I don't know that I expect one, but I know they're still searching. Um, you know, whether or not they can add impact, it really, I, I put that on the low end at this point, but, but they're, they're looking for it. I'll, I'll say that. But, you know, with that said, I think adding another veteran, um, someone that could either spot start or, or relieve wouldn't be a bad thing at this point. You look at the rotation and Michael Pineda comes back on May 10th. So that's one quarter of the way in. One thing that they're lucky in is it, even even if he is back on May 10, um, you know, they're they're with, with Rich Hill out until June, and Pineda out through May 10, they're going to have to have one rookie start 
uh, as the fourth guy all the way through till till May 10. And the fifth spot's going to jump up about seven or eight times, I think I counted out, even with the off days. So they're going to be relying on two rookies at this point to fill out that back end of the rotation. Um, that's That's a lot to ask. And I, I really think that given that they need to get something that's a little more solid than a rookie. I like, I like the trio of guys that they're looking at, or actually you can throw Sean Poppin in the four guys they're looking at. I like Poppin. I like, I like Smeltzer. He showed a lot last year in, in key spots all year. Randy Dobnak was really good as well. Um, aside from his game at Yankee stadium and, and uh, Lewis Thorpe has really good stuff, but do you really want to rely on, four rookies to give you, you know, somewhere around two months worth of, uh, of starts at that back end. That's a lot to ask. And I, I think just bringing somebody veteran in for healthy competition, maybe it's going to be on a minor league deal. Uh, that's very possible. Um, you know, that, that would be a smart play just to have another solid option at the back. I, what's going to be a big difference maker in these first, you know, the first quarter of the season is what, uh, Homer Bailey do the twins get because if they get the guy that pitched for Oakland they're gonna be very happy about that you know he in 13 starts there had a 430 ERA but his, his fielding independent pitching was 365 he was throwing strikes not walking guys um, just really pitching better than he had in a while and his last eight starts were were excellent for a team that was independent race so I think that <clears throat> when you consider that if you get that guy, you're in a lot better shape than you would be um, with the way it looks right now. But, you know, obviously Homer Bailey's had some struggles over the years and he was hurt for a while. And uh, so you don't know what you're going to get. But if you have Odorizzi Pineda or Odorizzi Barrios and, and Bailey performing well to start the year, it's a lot easier to have two rookies at the back end until Michael Pineda gets back and, and then Rich Hill gets back. I mean, I, I, I like the, what the rotation looks like for midseason a lot if you have a healthy Rich Hill. Um, but, you know, he's coming off elbow injury. Do we know if he could be ready? I mean, that's got to be very interesting to see. That's a, a really interesting dynamic. It's why I think that they would potentially be in the market to upgrade their rotation um, and, and are probably seeking it. I just don't know that it's realistic right now. Uh, but it's something they may have to address by the deadline if they – really want to be serious about the playoffs. Um, but I, I, I think Donaldson making that move shows how serious they are about uh, the playoffs because that's the kind of move, that's a statement move that you're saying we're a really good team and we're, we're looking to get a lot better. And, and that's what they did with Donaldson. And you think once they've kind of shown that card, they're going to continue to play those cards. And, and so it wouldn't surprise me if they make some kind of move to upgrade the rotation. Last question and I'll let you go. Uh, a handicap for me, the AL Central on paper, or what it looks like in your mind. Well, it's tough because the White Sox rotation is so young. Um, you're looking at that group that they're looking at. Ronaldo Lopez and Dylan Cease have some really good speed, and they need to step forward. Uh, Lucas Cialito had a, a great year last year for them. Obviously, they added uh, Dallas Keuchel and and Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel, what they can get from him is, is really going to be interesting because he's going to a home run hitting ballpark and, and, you know, his stuff is not quite where it was a couple of years ago. He still was pretty solid for the Braves last year. Um, but, but I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what he does in the middle of summer at us cellular or uh, I'm sorry, guaranteed rate ballpark. And um, that lineup is, is pretty ridiculous. It looks good. They have a bunch of young guys though that are still developing and you know, it, it just depends. They've they've done a good job surrounding all those young guys with talent the way the Twins did last year and I think that helped a lot in their development. So it's very possible the White Sox could step up and and make this a real race and Cleveland obviously still is always Cleveland. They still Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. You know, they have a a much fuller lineup uh, after that Trevor Bauer trade last year, um, they're, they're going to be a contender. So it's going to be a battle. But I, I think the Twins, at least going on paper, have a, a nice little edge. And, and the White Sox have a ton of ground to make up. It's just they'll make up a lot of it. It's just can they make up enough? Uh, we'll see. But it, it should be a fun race um, and a three-team race rather than just a two-headed monster like it's been for, you know, basically last year and, and two years ago.
Um, Dan, I want to thank you for hopping on and, and dropping some knowledge. Uh, we'll have to do this again this spring. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Travis. Appreciate the opportunity. Yep. Thank, thanks a lot. Yep.
Our next guest on Minnesota Sports Weekly is from Zone Coverage, uh, the Twins beat writer over there, uh, Brandon Warren. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? Hey, hey, not too much. Uh, thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Uh, my first question has to be, what was your initial thoughts on the Josh Donaldson signing? I was surprised. I mean, I think I think we all were to some extent. I thought they were still in the mix. I thought they were, <clears throat> excuse me, still better positioned than maybe the national types thought. But obviously with Phil Miller's article about seven, ten days ago about the team being skeptical about their chances, that certainly dialed it down a little bit for me. But at the same time, too, I wondered if maybe – that wasn't something that the organization put out in back channels to say, listen, Josh, we want you badly, but we also need a decision soon because if we're going to pivot to make other decisions, whether it's trading for a big money pitcher, signing Mitch Moreland, all those different things that they still have to do with the next month here, within the next month here before spring training starts, they really didn't want to be left out waiting in the rain if Josh Donaldson didn't sign and then teams weren't really willing to trade at that point. So, I think they really wanted the decision a little bit sooner, but I think they're more than happy that it came out the way it did. Uh, in your in your opinion, if the Braves would have came in somewhere close to the Twins' offer, do you think they uh, would have he would have went to the Braves? Yeah, there's little doubt in my mind that he would have liked to have gone back there if everything was equal. You have to remember he went to Auburn. He is a Southeastern kid at heart. And so the fact that the Twins took him away from that, lured him away to an area that obviously he played in Canada, so he's been up north before. But there isn't much history with the Twins luring those kind of free agents. It obviously speaks to the fact that Thad Levine and Derek Falvey and to some extent Rocco Baldelli have created a very good culture here in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, that players view this as a good place to play. I don't know if Donaldson was who they set out to acquire at the beginning of the offseason. Maybe Zach Wheeler, maybe Madison Baumgartner was a higher on that list. But this definitely pushes this offseason into the A or A-minus territory when I think, as you and I had discussed off-air, it was probably closer to a B-minus or a C-plus before. Yeah, I I totally agree. But uh, when I look at the team – I, I'm a little concerned with the pitching staff. Not so much the bullpen. I think the bullpen is going to be pretty good, but the starting staff, especially if you have to go with two guys for a couple months that are inexperienced, do you see the Twins making a move for a, a starting pitcher? I really do, and I think I may be in the minority on that opinion, but. I think at this point, since you've got first base locked down with Miguel Sano for the foreseeable future, sign an extension. You've got Josh Donaldson at third base for the next four years. Obviously, if you want to move Miguel Sano to DH, eventually bring Alex Kirloff into the dirt to play first. You've got maybe Trevor Larnick who could play left field. But there is a bit of a prospect bottleneck with guys like Travis Blankenhorn, Wander Javier. Obviously, I'm not putting Royce Lewis. I'm not putting Alex Kirloff in that mix. But if you've got first base locked down for the foreseeable future, that means Kirloff or Larnick plays in the outfield. You can start calling around and asking teams, hey, what do you think of Wander Javier? What do you think of Trevor Larnick or Alex Kirloff on the high end? I don't think we're going to trade Alex Kirloff. But between those guys and who knows, maybe they move Eddie Rosario. They've got some options to really go find a certain type of starter. Now, do they want to aim for a guy who's got multiple years of control and is really good? Then John Gray is your guy. Do you want one year of control who can be really good, then it's Robbie Ray? Or do you want to be this, the kind of like the prospect or the speculator where you trade for someone like Caleb Smith from the Miami Marlins, who I think has a chance to be really good under the right tutelage and under, I, I think, Wes Johnson being that guy? That's another option, too. And the prices all vary for each of those options. It's just a matter of who do I think they're going to target? How do I think they're going to get them? I do think still they need one more starter because when I said they needed two more and they signed Rich Hill and they signed Homer Bailey, I think you're only going to get about 200 innings out of those two guys combined. And you still need to cover about 160 innings 
four one rotation spot, and I think that's pretty hard to do with with guys like Devin Smeltzer and Randy Dobnak. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, talking about Caleb Smith, uh, about a, a year ago, a little less, uh, he was the top guy that everybody was talking about trying to figure out what ways the twins could get a hold of him. Then he had kind of a, a so-so year for the Marlins. And uh, now is, do you see him being available or is is that still, do the Marlins still have a high price for him? I think it's a sticky situation because they've got a lot of arms of very similar caliber or very similar potential. We've got Sandy Alcantara, who everybody that I've talked to seems to really like, or at least I wrote at the beginning of the offseason, and people have seemed to kind of take into it. But you've got Pablo Lopez, you've got Kayla Smith, you've got Jordan Yamamoto, you've got Eliezer Hernandez. I'm sure I'm missing, oh, Jose Urena. There are five, six, seven guys that are all options for them as starters. And, yes, yeah, some of them have options, can go to the minor leagues. But at some point, they're going to have to figure out who their five are and so Smith, I think, was born in 1990, if I'm not mistaken. So he's 29, 28, 30, somewhere in that range. That's a guy that's older. So are you going to go with the younger kids, the cheaper kids, the ones that are not as close to free agency? I mean, when you look at the pattern that the Marlins have conducted themselves in, certainly it's not fair to compare pre-Derek Jeter to post-Derek Jeter, but they haven't always made trades that made a ton of sense on the surface either. Zach Gallen to the Diamondbacks for Jazz Chisholm. I mean, Gallon is absolutely terrific. And sure, the, the shortstop prospect Chisholm is pretty good, but they gave up like five years of control of a really good pitcher for a prospect who we still don't know anything about. So there's a lot of different things about trading with the Marlins that I'm not sure about, but them moving one of the older of their starting pitchers seems to me like it would be a pretty good idea. Okay. Uh, speaking of... Uh... The, the back to the twins. Um, what's your thoughts on the Miguel Sano signing? I think if they waited another year, it's possible the price would have doubled because certainly he'd be a year older, but I think he's in position to have another really good year. And when he's a year closer to free agency and you got to start buying out those years where he could be a free agent, you start looking in that 15 to $20 million range. So for AAV of <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was uh, 30, 30 million, 20 something with an option, et cetera. You could have easily seen him getting a deal in excess of $60 million a year from now. And at the same time too, if he plays through the deal, remains healthy, remains solid. I think he still gets to hit free agency heading into his age 31 season. At that point, you, you hope for his case that he's viewed like a job, uh, excuse me, a, a JD Martinez type. Maybe he'll be a DH, but he'll be a mauler. And I think then, too, he still has a chance to make quite a bit more money than this in his career. But he also realizes that, hey, I'm just a year off of hitting under 200, having my heel get messed up in that celebration after they won the Winter League Championship last uh, last winter in the Caribbean or, or Dominican, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's come a long ways in a year, but he still hasn't built up a good enough goodwill to the point where the Twins are going to make him an offer for $50 million in four years or 60 and five or 75 and five. And so I think it's kind of a good bet for both sides. He gets a life changing amount of money. The twins have a really good guy locked, like a really good player locked down for a while, but it's uh, overall, it's just, it seems like a good deal to me. Um, how, how do you think he'll uh, fare at first base? I think it'd be okay. Um, obviously his, his best defensive trait was his arm, and that's going to be neutralized at first base for the most part. But I think he's got soft enough hands. I saw Keith Law say the same thing on The Athletic recently. And obviously you can turn really good athletes into first base when the Twins did it with Joe Maurer. And, and it's obviously a very different kind of athlete. But I like to compare Miguel Sano physically to like a Daniil Hunter, big, strong kind of guy that you expect to be playing defensive end or tight end and not infield in the Major League Baseball. So – I think, though, with some work in the the spring training, in spring training with whether it's Tucker Frawley or if it's Tommy Watkins, whoever he works with, I think is going to make him into a pretty acceptable defensive first baseman. 
And that might be the first place, though, where we see C.J. Krohn be missed. Obviously, C.J. Krohn hit the ball really hard, and when he was healthy, he was a pretty good hitter. But defensively, he did a really nice job picking up some low throws from Jorge Polanco and Jonathan Scope and Miguel Sano and Luis Arise over the course of the season. And I, I was curious about this, too. Uh, could we see Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov in this this season? Or are we talking 2021? For both for both of those guys, for me, 2020 is an opportunity and a potential chance for them to make the big leagues. I thought Royce was on the Joe Maurer path all along, which would have him making the opening day club this year. He did have a little bit of a, a setback last year. Spring training, he dealt with some injuries. And, you know, he had, a, I think, a swing change this past year between two levels. And so his numbers at Pensacola weren't as good as you'd hope or Fort Myers either, but there's still a lot of belief in him in the prospect community. And I think, you know, Nick Gordon, for instance, had a really tough year at Rochester in 2018, and then he was pretty good in 2019. Sometimes guys just need to see a level a second time, and then they really take off. With Kirilov, too, obviously a bit of a down year with how much he roared back from Tommy John surgery. But at the same time, too, people believe in them because they've seen the body of work. They've seen the process. They see results still coming. So, yes, I do think there's a chance one or both of them debut this year. And if that happens, then I'm curious, you know, what has happened with Brent Rooker because he's obviously more advanced along that timeline than Kirilov or Alarnik is. And, you know, the same thing goes for any other number of prospects who are kind of in that mix. And that's where they're going to have to get creative if they're going to make any trades is who do you need right now? Who do you need soon? Who do you need in the long term? And then who's left over? Okay, uh, the guy that is frustrating to me but uh, has more uh, potential than pretty much anybody else in the organization, uh, what what do you see in 2020 with uh, Byron Buxton? It all comes back to health. I mean, and, and sometimes it's it's running into walls and sometimes it's just other things. And... He plays the game hard, and I don't think he's ever going to change that. He may have to find different ways to throttle it back a little bit. But if he gives the Twins 130, 140 games this year, there's a reason to believe that he'll appear on some MVP ballots for me. I just think his swing, his approach at the plate has, has gotten much better. He obviously has a lot of secondary attributes in terms of speed, defense, throwing arm that really, really scale up everything he does. If he can just make contact, obviously his, his legs will allow him to you know, turn singles into doubles, doubles into triples, and ground balls into singles. So I think there's just a very, very strong floor there based on his skill set that if he stays healthy, there's, the sky's the limit. But even the, the, you know, the floor is still very, very solid for him, again, if he stays healthy. Okay. Uh, my last question, and I'll let you go. Uh, how would you uh, handicap the AL Central? I think the Twins right now are still the favorite. They, you know, the White Sox scored 200 fewer runs than the Twins last year. They won like 30 fewer games, and you restarted zero. Don't get me wrong; it doesn't mean that the White Sox have to catch up, but it does show the gap of how those teams played last year because they both played in the same American League run environment with the baseball and, and that sort of thing. So even if the Twins score 100 fewer runs. How do the White Sox ward off that same regression in addition to adding to it? So I still think the Twins have the better offense. I don't think it's particularly close, and I still do like the White Sox offense. But for me, I have questions. I have questions on who's going to get on base for the White Sox. Who's going to get outs from innings seven through nine? I like Jace Fry a little bit. I think Steve Ciszek is interesting. Alex Colomay is interesting. Uh, But I don't know if they have enough guys out there to get it done. Um, like I said, I don't know if anybody's going to get on base. Edwin Encarnacion might decline based on his age. I think Nick Madrigal is going to be really good out of the shoot. But I'm less certain about Luis Roberts, who's obviously a very skilled and toolsy kid, but very, very young. And rotation-wise, I mean, Lucas Giolito at the top is really good. But if you sign Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez to be your number two and three starters, and they pitch more like four and five, suddenly you've got you know three number four or five starters with Reynaldo Lopez thrown in there and you're pretty soft in the middle. So 
I'm not totally certain that I'm sold on them. And I think they're the most volatile team in the American League right now where they could win 75 games, they could win 95 games, or anywhere in between, and none of that would surprise me. Hmm. Uh, what about the Indians? I just think they're in third place right now. I mean, I think they'll battle Chicago back and forth. But right now, I think the Twins are like 96, 98 wins. I think the White Sox are 90, 92, and I think Cleveland is 86 to 88. So I think the Twins, at the end of the year, they clinch with a couple weeks left or 10 days left, and then those differentials get to be a little bit more fluid because those games don't matter as much. But I think the Twins are still pretty comfortably the team to beat in the AL Central. All right, Brandon, I want to thank you for for making time for me. Uh, it's always fun to talk. Uh, we'll have to do this again come spring. Uh, all right, sounds great. Thanks a lot. Bye. You bet.